Welcome to Grinding the Data. My name is Kevin Scott. I don't know if it's true or not, but I've always heard that the most fulfilling things in life are the things that don't come easily. The things you have to really work hard at. You often feel like you're failing at, but then, you know, you get there in the end. You figure it out. You improve uh, or you just gut it out until you cross the finish line. Certainly, I think it's true that the things you work hardest for are like the most worthy of being celebrated when you succeed, like you get through them or you just complete them, like maybe a super hard degree you had to really grind through or parenting a really difficult child that finally gets it, getting past an addiction that has dogged you. These are the things that, you know, you feel when you accomplish them, you crested a mountaintop, you know, not necessarily because they were fun but precisely because you overcame the difficult challenges to get there. Because you suffered hard times and felt like you'd never be able to do it, but then you did it. That's why the, fulfilling, the feelings of fulfillment are strong. And you know, I've run two uh, like races, like running, running races in my life. The first was a flat 5K out in, um, I think it was Kansas. It was pretty simple. Uh, the second was a trail half marathon, not simple. When I crossed the finish line of that half marathon with my legs like locked up and questioning why on earth I had just done that, everything hurting, yes, I was much more fulfilled to finish that than I was the 5K. I say all this because this has been one of the hardest, if not the hardest fantasy football seasons I've ever had. I think most people would say the same thing. I've been playing this game for 25 years. I've never struggled as much as this year. Perhaps that's you too. But if this game was easy, it wouldn't be very fun or fulfilling. Winning wouldn't feel like much of an accomplishment if you easily won most of, most of your leagues, right? I mean, you're going to have some dud leagues where everything goes wrong and you might not be able to recover. You might be 0-8, 0-9, 1-8. Two and seven. You know, that's just part of it. Um, you're going to have some great leagues too if you play in a few or in enough where you're super strong and things are going right most of the time. But most leagues you're going to have to fight because there isn't that much that separates these teams in these leagues from each other, right? I mean, we're all drafting with the same draft capital. And unless your league has, you know, had some awful trades go through. Nobody has a dominant roster usually. Many of you might have teams that are three and six or four and five. You're on the outside looking in for the playoffs right now. Well, guess what? If you win four of your next five games, you will probably be in. And that means it's not over. You can claw your way back. That means, um, you know, when we get to this point of the season, many teams are going to quit and that's that can be a little opening for you. Uh, that can be a way that, you know, you get a couple easy wins and you get on enough of a roll to sneak in. As I said earlier this year on this podcast, it's all about making the playoffs, whatever it takes, because you can go six and seven, or I guess now it's seven and seven, I don't know. You can barely sneak into the playoffs, maybe on, uh, you know, by, by two points and with a with a bad record and then go on to win the whole thing. Um I, I say this pep talk to remind you that no matter how bad it feels right now, you you got to keep fighting. If you're listening to this podcast at this point in the season, you're probably already on board. Uh, maybe you don't end up making the playoffs, but the fun of the game is not necessarily just the winning. It's it's in the struggle. It's in the strategy. It's in the trying to find an angle. So keep grinding. 
That's what we've been doing here together on this podcast this whole season. That's what we'll keep doing. And this, you know, the point of this pod is to help you grind. It's not to help you go undefeated because that's not realistic. Uh, and I found that the consistent winning in fantasy is in the grind. Anyone can get lucky with a great draft. You know, just everything hits right. Um, but if you want to win consistently over the years, you're going to have to work for it. Uh, so we're going to jump in here and explore some data from week nine, hopefully to help you make some key moves for the stretch run. But before we do, please, you know, okay, here, pause this pod right now and go leave a rating and review for the podcast and then come back. All right, I'll, I'll wait. Okay, thanks for doing that. <laughs> now pause it again and go support the podcast. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But if I'm helping you in, please do consider supporting the podcast. Please do go leave a rating review. That would mean a lot to me, and it would help us out. It would, also, it would help us keep this ad-free. I mean, long-term, um, we got to make some money on this. So if we have to go to ads, we will, but I really hope we don't have to. I hope we can get enough supporters in here. So let's jump in with the data. We're going to start with running backs here. Michael Carter saw his snaps dip a bit this uh, this week on Thursday night from two weeks in a row over 70% down to 58%. And then we saw Ty Johnson jump up to 42%. Uh, they really seem to like using Johnson still, uh, especially in the passing down role, which is unfortunate for Carter since he's really good in the in the receiving game. Um, and, you know, also because the Jets will trail most weeks, that will probably keep Johnson involved. For now, both are good flex options. Um, but watch the snap share carefully. If Carter can move up again, you know, into if he can settle in that 70% range, he becomes a good starting option every week. Also, if Mike White is back under center in week 10, that should help both backs since he checks down to his backs a lot. So keep an eye on that situation. Jonathan Taylor played on 69%. That's again, he's been playing uh, around 70% every week. The, the difference this week was that Naheem Hines saw his snaps jump up. He got up to 45%. So they were playing on some snaps together. That's Hines' highest snap share since week three. Uh, he got six targets and six carries. If you watch the game, you saw him take the long, uh, had to have the long carry for a score. He went over 100 total yards in that score. So I think a lot of that was due to how bad the Jets' defense is, but keep an eye on that. Uh, if Hines' snap share stays up there, um, he's a good flex play because he's a very good receiver and he, he can run between the tackles too. It's not good if you're a Jonathan Taylor um, if you have him on your roster because, uh, you know, it means he's going to eat into his work. But either way, um, for Hines, keep an eye on that. Devonta Freeman played on 58% of snaps and got 13 carries for 79 yards. That's a that's a good uh, snap share, um, you know, marker. If we Usually I say if they're near 60%, they're worth paying attention to, and he was. Um, Le'Veon Bell was on in on 23%. He actually got 11 carries, only two less, and went 48 yards in a score. Um, I don't know what's going on there. Tyson Williams played 18% but didn't get a touch. We don't know what's going to happen when Latavius Murray comes back. If that they have decided, hey, Devonta Freeman looks the best of the group and we're going to keep him over 50%, then he's your starter. He's the guy to have. So he, if he's still on your wire, he's, he's worth picking up just in case that, that is the case. I've been saying Murray's the starter, but that could uh, have changed uh, because um, Freeman's looked good. So I, I would, uh, if you have the roster spot, consider picking up Freeman. I don't know whether you should drop Murray for Freeman. I really don't know what the situation is because it's hard to tell, uh, but just want to mention that. Another ugly running back committee is in New England where Rand, uh, Brandon Bolden 
led the backs with 47% of snaps, which is weird. Damian Harris had 39%. Ramondre Stevenson had 27%. Uh, both Harris and Stevenson left with head injuries, so that's possibly why Bolden played so many snaps. Uh, in the game, Bolden got 10 touches. Harris got 16. Stevenson got 12. And then Stevenson was the most effective. He finished with 106 total yards, but then Harris got the touchdown. So it's just a total mess. Impossible to predict this backfield. I, all I'll say is, uh, obviously, if you have Harris, you're going to keep him. Consider playing him in good matchups. If you have Stevenson or can get Stevenson um, or you know you have a spot to get him, he's a good hold still just in case he pushes past Harris. But I'm not doing much to get a hold of him uh, because of the ugliness here. Uh, more ugliness in Buffalo. Devin Singletary was back on top of the the uh, you know committee here on Sunday. Played 72% of snaps. Moss was down at 28%. They continue to sort of flip flop each week. Who's getting most of the work? That makes it impossible to start either one. Neither did anything on the ground in Week Nine. Singletary, just like Moss, caught a bunch of passes the the previous week. Singletary caught seven of eight targets this week. I just say, if you're completely desperate, yeah, start one. If they're, if you have one of them on your roster, go ahead. Throw them in there above guys like Philip Lindsay, uh, but otherwise avoid them both. We finally saw Miles Gaskin get a starter's level of snap share, playing on 72% on Sunday. That was his highest of the season, and he dominated the backfield touches, finished with 26 touches. Salvin Ahmed only got four. Unfortunately, Gaskin only totaled 34 yards on those 20 carries, so it was a terrible stat line. Not um, something that's going to push the coaches to give him even more. So that's unfortunate. He did salvage his fantasy day with a score. He also caught all six of his targets for 23 yards. So that's good. Uh, despite this poor output, he, he still makes an intriguing start over the next few weeks, especially with Malcolm Brown on IR. Um, so, I, I, you know, start him if you have him, unless you have a better option. I'm, I think he's getting most of the work, which is helpful. Corderell Patterson and Mike Davis both played on exactly 56% of snaps. They both got exactly nine carries, but neither could get anything going on the ground against the Saints, which, you know, we probably should have expected the Saints have been super solid against, uh, or, you know, on defense in general. Uh, but Patterson shined in the passing game again, caught all six of his targets for 126 yards. Because of his work in the passing game and he's getting uh, you know around 10 targets or 10 rushes a week, he should be in lineups every week, um, especially in PPR leagues, just a no-brainer. He's just getting so much work. As far as Davis goes, he can't be trusted um, because of these kinds of stat lines. The, the line must be really poor blocking uh, for, run, for running purposes. Um, he's a desperation play if you need a running back. At least he's on the field, but uh, not doing much. Alvin Kamara and Mark Ingram were both involved and fairly effective. Kamara rushed 13 times, 50 yards, and a score. Had four receptions, 54 yards. This is not really the stat line you want to see from your top five overall pick. You'd rather see 20 rushes and seven receptions. But, uh, you know, they're dealing with a, a backup, really a third string quarterback. They're starting right now, Trevor Simeon. And I don't know that we can expect that much more from Kamara for the, for the rest of this season, to be honest. Ingram also is working in a lot, which is going to take away uh, a lot of his value. If Ingram's on your wire, he's a worthwhile pickup. Again, he had good action, got nine rushes for 43 yards, caught all five of his targets for 21. So even though Kamara played on twice as many snaps as Ingram, Ingram produced nicely and got 14 touches 
to Kamara's 17. So again, he needs to be rostered everywhere. Uh, Boston Scott played on 44% of snaps uh, for the Eagles, and Jordan Howard played on 40%. But Howard led the team again in rushing with uh, rushing attempts with 17. Scott saw only 10. Kenny Gainwell got two carries on 11 snaps. This is another backfield that's ugly. It should be avoided, especially uh, with uh, Miles Sanders. You know, he's going to be re-entering the mix. How's that going to work? Are they going to try to work all four backs in, or is it Sanders' backfield again? We just have no idea. Howard really just makes this super ugly because he can't. He comes off the practice squad all of a sudden. <laughs> I mean, what coaching staff does that? He hasn't even been on the roster. All of a sudden, they just give him most of the carries. It's just super frustrating. It really just quite frankly annoying. And you know, it's not obviously these coaches don't do what they do with fantasy footballers in mind. Um, but it just doesn't make any logical sense, right? It's not it's not just that we expect them to consider fantasy football. It's just like do the logical thing. If you have Boston Scott and Kenny Gainwell on your roster all season, and they're, they're there with Miles Sanders, and then Sanders gets hurt. So you bring up the practice squad guy and give him most of the carries. I, You know, I don't get it. I don't know what it is about some of these coaches and these decisions. Uh, it does seem that the Eagles want to move to a much more run-heavy um, offense, which makes sense because Hurts is bad uh, passing the ball for the most part. But you know, if you're going to do that, I guess they want the big bruiser now. They don't want the smaller backs. That's all I can figure. Howard is a bruiser. Um, but the, what does that mean with Miles Sanders? Sanders is not a bruiser. So when he comes back, is he going to be in the Kenny Gainwell role? We have no idea. So sorry that was a long little stretch on the Eagles. It's just you got to avoid them because of these kinds of decisions. Um, if you have Sanders, obviously keep him. Wait till he comes back and see what happens. Do not throw him in your lineup until you see. That's what I'd suggest. Uh, with the injury to Chase Edmonds, James Conner moved into a workhorse role, played on 77% of snaps, got 21 carries and five receptions, like a, a total workload or a, you know workhorse workload there. Just beautiful. Ended up with 96 rushing yards, two scores, and 77 yards on his receptions. Uh, Eno Benjamin did work in, and he's an intriguing young uh, back. He looked very uh, strong running the ball. He's very small, though. Um, he played on 24% of snaps. I think he will work in for the next few weeks with Chase Edmonds out. He, he is a, a decent addition because they do like to use two backs. Um, and, you know, like I said, he looked pretty good. I think Connor should put up some very nice weeks here as a lead back. So if you have him on your roster, that good for you. It looks like you have an easy start for the next few weeks. Uh, not having Derrick Henry did not cost the Titans in Week Nine as they got a big win against the Rams, but it was clear that you know the challenge of replacing Henry is going to be a tough one. Uh, Jeremy McNichols got 45% of snaps, Adrian Peterson 33%, Deonta Foreman 21%, uh, McNicholas got 10 touches for 35 yards, Peterson 11 touches for 26 yards, and Foreman 5 for 29 yards. None of them alone or even as a group can come close to replacing Henry. Uh, so from a fantasy perspective, we just have to wait, you know, until one emerges and then hope for the best. Uh, I, I do think Deontay Foreman is a nice speculative ad because he did look pretty dynamic. Uh, he's a big dude and has, some, you know, a decent amount of burst. So, I, you know, he's the most like Henry to me. He's nowhere close, obviously, 
But um, I think he's a nice add just in case. If he starts working, you know, getting as many touches as the other guys, I think he's going to start outproducing them pretty easily. And Peterson looked fine, but um, he's he's much smaller than those guys. And this, you know, this offense is built around a, a big bruising back. So just for what that's worth. With the Rams trailing most of the game on Sunday night, Daryl Henderson got only 11 carries. He did do well with them, got 55 yards. Uh, but the Rams, you know, needed to pass, and generally I think they prefer to pass. Uh, he remains a top 10 running back option most weeks because of his upside and this good offense. But it's getting a little concerning with how little work he's getting. And also, Sony Michelle is working into a bigger role. He played on 40% of snaps after playing 30% in Week 8, which was up from where he was before Week 8. So if if Michelle's snap share, uh, you know, continues that high or continues trending up, Uh, It's going to zap a big portion of Henderson's upside. Uh, Michelle finished with nine touches for 26 compared to, you know, 11 for Henderson. So they're pretty close, unfortunately, if you have Henderson. If 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 Michelle's on your wire and you're desperate for running back, go for it. But I don't expect that much. I think Henderson's still the guy, uh, the main guy there. They're just trying to, you know, keep him fresh is my guess. Uh, Wide receiver, let's move on to uh, the, the receiver position, see what we can learn. Uh, Elijah Moore finally had a breakout game on Thursday night uh, on only 60% of snaps. Uh, He was targeted a team leading eight times, caught seven of them for 84 yards and two scores. Uh, I've been saying all season he's their best receiver outside of Corey Davis. He needs to be on the field all the time. Um, But, you know, the the Jets coaching staff has wanted to include these, these other guys like Denzel Mims. Mims has been really poor all season. So, you know, when they continue to see more put up these big weeks, you have to assume he's going to get more and more snaps. I think I think he will. Uh, but just watch carefully the situation at quarterback. The offense was just completely inept with Zach Wilson under center. Sometimes a rookie just needs time, and I think Wilson does. So if they stick with Mike White, I think that could be really great for more. Even Josh Johnson, he looked good with him. So uh, I don't know if I'd, I would suggest, you know, you know, starting him this week or giving him super strong weekly consideration for starting, but these bye weeks are still going on. So he's likely going to be, um, you know, a good option for most, you know, most in most leagues uh, over these next few weeks. I started him in several leagues this week. I just wish I'd started him in more, obviously. But um, yeah, I, he, obviously if he's on your wire, grab him because he's a great, he's a, you know, dynamic young player. Uh, Rashad Bateman continued to look like a potential difference maker for the fantasy stretch. Played on 66% of snaps, got eight targets, which was a 20% target share. Now he only caught five for 52, so he probably is continuing to go under the radar in a lot of leagues, but he's going to get some big, big plays. Some big days are coming if he stays this involved. Just watch to see. The only concern I have is what's going to happen when Sammy Watkins comes back. Um, he is not. Um, he he's been playing better than Watkins overall, and Watkins is almost always injured. So I just don't think it's going to be the thing that you know pushes Bateman down. I think Bateman's going to probably just grab that role, and Watkins going to be on the bench. But just watch it whenever he does come back. See how it goes. Either way, I don't think. Um, Bateman has negatively impacted Marquise Brown at all. Brown saw 12 targets, caught nine for 116, and remains a must-start every week. Uh, DJ Moore played on 85%, got seven targets, uh, which was a 21% target share, but only caught three for 32. 
you know, and his target share should have been higher. He should be 30% every week. Likely defenses are scheming to take him away since he's the only effective receiver on the roster right now. Um, if you, if you roster more, you just have to, man, you got to hope Sam Darnold can turn it around. This guy looked good the first couple weeks and has looked absolutely terrible. I don't know. I, I can't recall who the backup is there. I think, oh, I think it might be PJ Walker. Um, I don't know. He could be better. I, maybe he's, I think he's kind of one of those running uh, quarterbacks. I don't know how his arm is. I have no idea what to tell you with more. It's very frustrating. Um, I, I'm rooting for Darnold to stay in there because he's got a good arm. He just has to figure it out and, and improve. So we'll see. Uh, Donovan Peoples-Jones is going to be a, a name people are going to be interested in this week. Played on 60% of snaps and caught that uh, highlight 60-yard touchdown reception. But just look at the data here. Uh, he he only played on 60% of snaps, um, and he only got three targets. Now, he, he caught that long one, but he finished with two for 86 and a touchdown. Remember that this team it just want to be a low-volume passing offense, so I would avoid him. I would avoid all the receivers unless you're totally desperate. It was a tough game for Joe Burrow on Sunday. Uh, really struggled, uh, but T. Higgins and Jamar Chase were still heavily involved. Uh, continue to start them every week. Uh, Higgins had six catches or 78 yards on eight targets. Jamar Chase, six or 49 on 13 targets. Uh, there were a couple that were just barely missed, uh, a deep ball to Chase, and then an end zone target that got picked for 99 yards and a score. So it was just a tough week for the Bengals. Uh, the Browns just put a beat down on them. You got to keep starting those guys. They're very involved. But Tyler Boyd, I wanted to say, uh, I would bench him. He's just not involved enough. He's had a few weeks where he pops up and gets, you know, six to eight targets. But this week, only two caught one ball for 11 yards. He seems to be behind CJ Uzoma um, in the pecking order, like where Burrow is looking. Even though Boyd's out there for pretty much all the snaps, he's just not, um, I guess he's not separating enough or, you know, earning the targets. So I'd avoid him moving forward. Uh, C.D. Lamb played on 71% of snaps and got nine targets. Amari Cooper played on 58%, so down a little bit because he's a little bit injured, and got five targets, but both only caught two passes for under 40 yards. And meanwhile, Malik Turner played on 29% of snaps and got seven targets and caught five for 33 and two scores. So I have no explanation for this. A very, very bad game for the Cowboys. Both of those scores were in garbage time as they were trying to uh, even make it respectable against the Broncos. They just looked bad. I think they just laid an egg. I think they'll be back and and uh, good again on offense next uh, week, at least I hope. I think you should continue to start Lamb and Cooper and just root for this game passing game to get going. Uh, the Falcons receiver snap share uh, was pretty much what we expected. Russell Gage had 81%, Tajay Sharp 80%, and Olamide Zacchaeus 49%. Those are the three main receivers. Uh, Gage led the way with eight targets and went seven for 64 uh, after the previous week where he cut zero of his targets. Then Zacchaeus with three targets, caught them all for 58 yards, and two scores, and then Sharp only with the one target. Uh, I don't, I don't know what's going to happen with these guys. Um, it's going to be very difficult to predict. I think the main Falcons you want for fantasy uh, remain Cordero Patterson and Kyle Pitts. If you have to start one of these guys, it's probably in PPR leagues Russell Gage. Even though you know he's put up uh, a donut recently, like I said, at least uh, 
Ryan seems to look his way quite often, so otherwise I, I would avoid them all. The only receiver you should consider playing on the Raiders right now is Hunter Renfro. Despite Brian Edwards and Zay Jones playing on almost every snap with Henry Ruggs gone, they combined for one reception and eight on eight targets. Uh, really ugly. The only receiver clicking with Carr is Renfro. Uh, he got nine targets, seven for 49, and a score he, he went. So, you know, he and... Um, and Waller are the only guys you really want to start in this receiving game. Uh, Devonta Smith had a nice game in Week 9, but let's look at the data. He played on 44 snaps, which was 77%, and got a 35% target share. That's an excellent number. But that equated to only 6 targets, as Hertz threw only 17 passes. This team, at least for now, when they're you know, able to stay in games, they're avoiding the pass at all costs. This makes Smith a very risky weekly start. He's a very talented uh, a player overall, I would just avoid him where possible um, unless you know the Eagles are in a game where they're going to trail and they have to pass. Even then, he struggled. Even then, Hertz has not been able to get the pass going. So I'm just not happy about starting Smith, even though I really love the talent. I would love them to get an upgrade at quarterback this offseason. Uh, Brandon Ayuk finally popped, played on one more snap than Debo Samuel. That might be the biggest piece of news. Um, he's been well behind Samuel most weeks. He had six receptions for 89 yards and a score on eight targets. And Samuel, even though he had one extra target with nine, he only went five for 63 and did not score. So that's I think that's the first week. I'd have to go back and look, but I think that's the first week Ayuk outscored Debo in fantasy. Um, I don't know whether I should trust it, whether you should trust it. I might recommend just waiting to see, uh, see if he does it again. Uh, if next week he gets two targets and plays on 60% of snaps again, like he was earlier, then uh, you know it was just a, a flash in the pan. But either way, it's encouraging uh, for those who roster Ayuk. Um, I think either way, Samuel's going to stay very involved uh, as both Shanahan and Garoppolo seem to love him. A.J. Brown and Julio Jones uh, were both on the field uh, for most of the snaps. Julio was at 74%, um, which was way up for him. Uh, Julio only got four targets, caught them all for 35 yards, uh, but he looked healthy and effective. I just think this is a very low-volume pass offense. I mean, then again, A.J. Brown got 11 targets. Uh, it's just that he only caught five for 42 uh, his 11 targets were good enough for a 41% target share. I think the only reason he didn't have a big game is he was facing Jalen Ramsey for much of the day. Uh, he also had two very costly drops that would have been first downs. So he he's the superior talent at this point of their careers. I think you have to start Brown every week. Jones is more of a, he can be started in a pinch uh, kind of guy. He's, he's never going to get tons of volume in this offense, I don't think. Uh, left Better left on your bench. Uh, unless you are, are kind of desperate for a starter here. Let's move on to tight end to close this out. Tyler Conklin uh, tied for the team lead in targets for the Vikings. He was a favorite of Cousins on several important downs. Finished with five catches for 45 yards on seven targets. So he's not putting up huge numbers or anything, but seven targets for tight end out there almost every snap. Just something to pay attention to. Uh, Hunter Henry scored again. Only got three targets, though. He did, you know, he caught two for 19 and a score. So it looks fine on the, you know, the scoring sheet. But uh, I really think you have to avoid him here until uh, we see that either the Patriots are definitely going to be having to pass to stay in the game or we see them want to commit to the pass more. Uh, Henry also only played on 56% of snaps. I'm not sure exactly why. Uh, could have just been a game plan specific thing. Uh, Dalton Schultz, though, he looks like an absolute must start every week. Even with the Cowboys uh, offense looking bad, 
Uh, he played on 95% of snaps, caught four or five or 54 yards, which is decent, decent numbers, even a terrible game. Also, Blake Jarwin got injured again. He's on at least short-term, maybe long-term IR. So Schultz looks poised to continue to be a top option at tight end, uh, probably for the rest of the season. I'd start him with confidence. Uh, Dan Arnold, again, producing every week on only 57% of snaps. He led the Jaguars in targets. We got seven, which was a 27% target share. Finished with four catch, uh, catches for 60 yards. And that's against a tough Bills defense. So uh, the poor output for the offense overall was not surprising at all. Still Arnold produced. I think he's a solid weekly start every week going forward. Uh, Adam Troutman is a name to keep in mind, played on 88% of snaps and actually got the targets this week, had the uh, team lead in targets with seven. He only went four for 47, but he's on the field a ton and he's finally seeing some targets. Maybe it's that, you know, Trevor Simeon likes to throw the ball a little more than uh, Jameis does. I mean, I, that's not true, but maybe he's willing to target the tight end more. Maybe that's true. I don't know if we're going to see Simeon longer term or if we're going to... Uh, you know, they're going to have another shift at quarterback. I really don't know what they're doing. But um, for now, it's just super deep leagues or tight end premium leagues. Consider Troutman as a guy to stash just in case you need help. Uh, Cole Komet's role continues to increase. Uh, he shows off, He continues to show off a, a great rapport with Justin Fields. Played on 77% of snaps and led the team in targets with eight. I had a 28% target share. Uh, those are numbers of the very top tight ends. When you see near a 30% target share and leading the team in targets, that's a big deal. He finished only with six for 87, but that's pretty great uh, for a, a game where they're playing the Steelers with a rookie quarterback. Uh, if the Bears would use him in the red zone instead of Jimmy Graham, always making these cameo appearances, Komet could be one of the top tight ends down the stretch. For now, you have to make sure he's rostered in your leagues. Uh, Pat Fryermuth also continues to look better and better each week. Really great for a rookie tight end how he's playing. Um, he played on 71% of snaps, got six targets, and led the team in targets with Deontay Johnson. He caught five, tar five of those for 43 yards and two scores just becoming a top option at the position overall. And the only thing you have to be concerned about at all is Eric Ebron when he returns from injury. Is he going to pop right back in there and take some of those targets away? But I, all season, Fryermuth has been the better talent on the field. So I think it's his job now. Uh, and finally, the only th other thing I wanted to say about tight ends is just start your studs the rest of the way. Waller, Kittle, Kelsey, Andrews, even Gasicki, these guys all continue to look good. The only reason they're having down weeks when they do is just because of game flow or whatever, but you got to start all of them. The data is strong for all of them. Uh, for more data, more data points, please check out the article I wrote over at fftoday.com. I link to it from my Twitter, which is at Kevin Scott FF. Thanks a lot. I appreciate you listening. Have a great week.